Welcome back to season two of the Love Letters to Virginia podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Pazmino. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Sergio Lorenzana. Um, currently, my career is a uh, video creator as a director of photography, and I graduated from ODU uh, around 2015 with a uh, bachelor's degree in cinematography, kind of uh, the usual like media side of things. Um, that's it, pretty much. I can totally go more into detail about like how my career has been shaped or school, but in a small box, that's who I am. Well, I, I love the way that you just, you know, tend to deliver things and I let my guests do their thing. So go for it, man. Cool. Um, you, you mean further into an introduction or just anything? I only said that because you, you, you mentioned that you could go further into that. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it, it could, but um, that might like make this whole 15 minute thing a lot longer. Because um, I, I do believe there might be more. Um, let, let's I, I think that there might be a, a, a good place to start here, actually. Yeah, excuse me. I've just shoveled a bunch of food into my mouth. So I'm trying to not be all uh, burpy. But I think a lot of maybe who I am and am shaping up to be started around an unlikely client. And that first client happened because of my acting connection when I was, um, uh, before I had this career as a cinematographer. So I had done that for about seven or eight years made plenty of friends uh, throughout all that we all shared in the struggle at some point there was actually this kind of incredible group that was made by some of the top performers in the area and we called it small room right and that was led by a guy named jay mccord and i had acted with him um or maybe alongside him at some point but when i first started some projects you know as a cinematographer he was actually cast as a as a sick man in this uh um project called amarif that um there's so many people involved in the project that i'll just focus on the jay mccord side of things but he's an actor as well and at a certain point i had another acting gig to do and kind of reconnected with uh, one of my friends uh, named tony wade and i told him yeah, um, this is near the end of like my acting sort of career and I'm sort of like transitioning to cinematography. And because I looked at him as kind of like, you know, he's a friend for sure, but I'm not gonna lie, but his reach in terms of friends and acquaintances and people who would see his content were like much bigger than mine. So I asked him, hey, do you think there's anything we could do together, like filming-wise, that I could sort of like start working on my sort of experience and skill and then piggyback off of something that you wanted to have shot? So he's kind of a physical guy, so he wanted to do 
some kickboxing kind of like training uh, thing, like a little fitness video, but not specifically him doing a bunch of reps, but him showcasing his like range. So we did that, shot it, um, edited it, and I kicked it back to him and he was like super impressed. To be fair, this was like the second video I had ever done. The first one was just some guy playing a guitar. And um, he had this idea. He was like, Serge, Serge, listen, this was really good. Have you ever made any films and stuff? And I was like, yeah, I have, like in college. And I was like, okay, look, I am part of this group uh, with Jay McCord and uh, uh, Nathan Walker, Olivia Antoinette, Julian Johnson, um, and a few other people that I, I, I feel so terrible for like uh, not remembering everyone's name. But when we went to this little group called Small Room, we went to Jay's house. I was just like, man, this dude's house is incredibly huge. It's like a mansion. I'm curious as to like what he did or whatever. But anyway, we walked into his house, went upstairs into literally a small room. And it was just kind of like this nice, like, um, little small community of like all of these actors and producers and writers all in one room. And I happened to be the only like videographer there, right? The person to actually shoot the projects that we think of. So this was this like kind of neat opportunity to sort of get this idea of, hey, if everyone there is our actors, right? And a few of them were actually like already SAG, right? And in my acting years, I was already like SAG eligible, but like sort of, you know, I had already transitioned out of it. And we had a few writers and Jay was kind of like a producer and actor at the time. And he was kind of like the lead of that. But this group kind of just like came together as sort of like a Mickey Mouse Club kind of thing Mm -hmm. to essentially like take all of our um, ideas and, um, you know, uh, things that we would write and all that stuff and then actually like start filming them. And at the end of the first day, Jay McCord starts showing uh, something he was a part of, like uh, producer wise. And um, I think it was like this farm commercial thing, but they had made it look like really insane. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, And then he was like, oh, yeah, let me show you this other thing that we did with the weekend. I was like, wait a minute, like the, the weekend? I was like, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me show you that. And and uh, we saw this like sneak peek for this uh, music video titled uh, "Might Be" by The Weeknd and Belly. And I watched that. And I was like, "Wait, what the heck? You don't just like drop that at the end of the day? Like that you just <laughs> was part of a project with The Weeknd? Like, come on now." And he was there as a producer, and the director happened to be Show Me Patsuari. Um, the DP of that was somebody around my age. His name was uh, Austin Burnett. And I just saw this like breakdown, some like call sheets and stuff. And I was like, this is great. Could you like put me on, man? Like get me under this dude's radar so that I could possibly like shoot projects with him. Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, we could, we can figure something out um, because it's like, you know, sometimes show me might be a little busy. And if he's going to like, you know, essentially subcontract some workout to somebody else who can manage it. And that would be like Jay McCord. You know, I could be hired to be the cinematographer and shoot that. And keep in mind, I'm still like 
kind of green, you know, with, with everything, but I'm excited about like being a part of big projects and all that. Let's just fast forward like six months. And there's a certain point where, uh, excuse me. Um, there's a certain point where uh, the small room meetings have been very frequent every Thursday and we've developed a lot of things. A bunch of people are starting to think about going to California and then Jay out of nowhere says, Hey, so like we sort of got something. There's not really a lot of money in there. In fact, there's probably like no money, but if you want to be a part of it, push a T's brother is looking for a couple of music videos. So I was like, that's kind of neat because Pusha T and his brother Malice were both in a rap group back in the day called Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, wait, this sounds like great. This, this could be like, you know, the first step into the world of like doing the thing, right? You know, like I hadn't done many music videos, but you know, we all develop an eye for something. We watch a lot of music videos. We kind of get it a sort of, you know, kind of style developed and all that stuff. When I first got on, like fast forward, we're on the day of this music video shoot and it's like the most run and gun thing you could ever see because it's like, I barely had gear. I had like the first camera I've ever bought. I've never, I, I never grew up and said, hey, I wanna, you know, do photography or, you know, do video. It was just, you know, I spent money, grabbed a camera and then a year later I'm shooting Pusha T's brother for like a, a music video that I, to be honest, I got paid fifty dollars to do that, and that was very sad. But the <laughs> connections that came out of it literally have shaped my entire life, because I met this guy named uh, Nikoi Potts, who had a friend named Christian Maiko, and Nikoi and um, Christian were both like friends creating kind of like an underground scene of content and it was always like they had been in and around like the culture of hip-hop artists and um people doing music videos and all that stuff so they were very influenced by you know a lot of uh new york art- artists like uh, anyone from the asap crew up there um especially like rocky or some of uh, travis scott's work um but they had been connected with some heavy players like in the area. Mm-hmm. So they sort of had like an attachment to sort of like what's in. And then out of nowhere, we have like, you know, Christian and Koi were, were these like street kind of content creators. Christian was more of like the uh, graphic designer, photographer, um, uh, editor. And when they finally saw like who I was and how I came into the picture, they found out that they can take all of their, you know, street and cultural knowledge and then mix it in with like me coming out of film school from ODU's film program. So I had more of like a clean aesthetic uh, that a lot of shooters who just, you know, never went through any avenue they just taught themselves how to shoot and they were integrated into the culture so they were like okay we found our guy like our classically trained guy but then we're going to mix that with that street style and eventually have a specific kind of style of content that was extremely unique to this like new group of 
creators. And that group was called BASM, which is a Virginia state of mind, V-A-S-M. And for years we had done a bunch of music videos, a lot of really underground things. And because of uh, Christian's graphic design connection to a storefront called Cream on uh, 21st Street in downtown Norfolk, we were actually able to do kind of small ads for things like Nike, Air Jordans, and Adidas. And the Adidas one um, was a two-parter, but they were both for Pharrell and his brand. And on those days, we never actually like met Pharrell or anything, but we were instructed by the marketing team to just sort of create content. And even to this day, I can still watch those videos, even though they were shot on my old phone. I mean, not my old phone, but my first camera. Mm -hmm. They still look, they still look great. They still hold up. And when you look at them, you can tell that there's that style that like feels like this should have been like done by some New York people or something like that. So we always had this idea of even if we shot locally, we want to make sure that all of our content didn't feel like it came from here and that our influences and styles were always coming from somewhere else and, you know, trickle down from basically wherever the culture ends up like um, originating from and that somehow we always just ended up having some connections into the whole um, music world and how like there's literally a wormhole from Virginia where people like Pharrell, Missy Elliott, Chris Brown, and so many others have come from here and then somehow ended up in like New York or California and all that stuff. And that little, little wormhole we traveled through, um, not like physically, I mean, in some cases, physically, like uh, at some point I actually got to work with, uh, show, show me, um, about a dozen or so times. And, uh, those same connections still kind of like trickled out from literally just after I bought my first camera, I decided to just hit up that guy to do a kickboxing video. And that kind of cascaded through all of these like random connections that would have never happened if I didn't show that little bit of initiative to try to get something done. And knowing that made me realize that in this sort of like world, well, at least in my sort of content creation kind of entrepreneurial life, I've realized that like networking almost uh, was more important than almost anything else. Like you can be almost good and just be connected with everybody. And then you're, you're, you're on everybody's like brain. The more you, you network um, with other people. And yeah, like during the first couple of years through all this, it was like massive struggle bus. Like I didn't make a lot of money, but then over the years I kept refeeding into like my career with all the money I made from the same music videos or other ad content and all that stuff and kept like improving my equipment and all that stuff. At a certain point, um, Christian uh, introduced me to this guy named Ivan Vasquez and Corey Wright. And those two people started a sort of like fashion meetup group in uh, the area. And I kind of came in on their sixth iteration of that. Um, shortly after though, Christian sort of retired from doing music videos. He came back like two years ago, but 
there was like this two to three year gap not having an outlet to the whole music video scene and as soon as i did those little meetup groups for the fashion events i kind of got addicted to the idea that whenever anyone created like a short film sometimes we wouldn't even see them until like a year later because it's like they need to do their festival track or they're just bogged down in the edit or that we're still shooting them because scheduling wise it's you know, annoying. And we, you know, like we're doing those for like no money. Everyone's just collaborating to do stuff. So I sort of wanted to not wait a year to be able to develop like a new reel of content to be able to get more work or network some more. So when I did the music videos and eventually had some short film content, or I would just pluck some of the best footage from those short films just to get something for the reel. Um, I realized that when I made the fashion content, literally in less than like a, a, a two weeks, I could have content that could be shown to everybody. So I got addicted to that little instant sort of uh, gratification from being able to control like shooting content and being able to just see it and show everybody that. And that kind of started this entire journey from like not knowing what kind of filmmaker, I guess I was gonna be um to literally have done every kind of video like i've done you know weddings fitness events every kind of fashion content every kind of music video and over the years you just build up this kind of like arsenal of sort of being able to do so much and uh with being able to create all that work so often um a lot of people were able to see that sort of progress that that kind of library work that ends up getting developed and uh i started actually getting hired for things unrelated to fashion work and especially since even right now i don't even post a lot of my music videos but like i still have the presence in the area of being known as like the music video guy um even though most of the work that i'll put out is like ad related or fashion related because i, I sort of at some point found out that I really do want to like just make ad content because I think it's like the most fulfilling kind of work but I can't stop doing music videos because I've done them for so long I'm already pretty good at doing them um but yeah yeah so like over years you end up having all this stuff and it just continues that whole network like I've had two or three feature films be commissioned because of some of my fashion work and i think people would see it and just get the idea in their head that like that sort of quality or style can be you know integrated into uh their films and you know it's worked over the years and i think uh 2015 means that this is currently seven years of like doing stuff and i think there's going to be a lot more in the future for sure Awesome. So you told me the other day that you want to eventually have your own production company. Yeah, yeah. So I've had that idea what, like while I was in uh, college, actually. Like I just got that whole like um, that camaraderie vibe whenever we were all working together in school, uh, creating content. And it felt good that like 
after I was acting, I kind of wanted to be in more of a directorial kind of position, but knowing that, um, like working alongside with like John Abrahams at JPix and all that stuff, he started off with photography and videography and then became a director after he um, sort of uh, uh, quit his uh, ad agency that he was working at to uh, start his own company. And I realized, like, oh, hey, that might actually be like a good ladder to climb, right? Like, I'll shoot content first, understand how to make good content. And then when I'm ready, I can direct that same good content and just instruct my team on how to get better. But um, to reiterate something I may have told you the other day, I kind of really love learning and competing with myself especially with the version of myself that's literally like 10 seconds ago. So wh whenever it comes to creating content, I, I don't want to get caught up in like doing the same thing, right? I, I want to be able to say that I'm improving something today, that I've learned something new or a different lighting idea or, 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 or just kicking old habits out of the way or, even as simple as to say, just like the consistency is, is helping me, you know, understand and learn more about what I'm doing. But the whole production company idea always felt like I wanted like my own tribe, my own like village of, of people who all saw the same vision with a Christian being like the music video editor. Um, and, you know, currently his, schedule or you know his ideas of like what he wants to get into in the world you know they might not align with my idea of creating a you know uh, a pretty like good sized team to to do things the idea is that like having a team to consistently push out work that is to a scale that everyone like appreciates i think um i think a lot of people are actually looking for that like right there's like makeup artists or set designers or you know script supervisors there's even producers who are looking for a little bit of consistency and to be able to find like that fulfillment in their lives right. not that like I want to be the one to say I'm bringing fulfillment to your lives because to be fair like I am just a guy who also wants consistency and fulfillment um and that like partially there's a greedy version of that where it's like what whenever you get work you're sort of beholden to to budget constraints and all that stuff and if budgets aren't super high then having more team players means that everyone gets paid but like fractionally less than if the budget like allotted for everyone to be there but the production company would just be kind of like that end goal of churning out, I guess, like my version of, of content, but to know and trust that everyone else is also introducing their own unique ideas and stuff to that. I don't want to just be this overlord uh, production company owner and, you know, there's only one style to do something which is why like I'm always a student I try to learn you know so much about like how other people approach content and their ideas but then also having the distinct knowledge of like I've made like 600 or more videos and 
I kind of know in general what works. And, you know, there's a level of trust that, that comes with that. But every time I work alone, I realize how kind of miserable it is. Like you're missing out on relief crew members who are there literally just to not make your workload so miserable. Whereas other people's inclusion into, you know, a project means that they elevated it beyond what it could ever be. Right. So it's like, if we had a, I don't know, like just for example, just like a plain backdrop and we're just shooting like a talent showing like, I don't know, something super high class. And then they were wearing kind of bummy clothes. It wouldn't give us the, the feeling of high class. So when you have a stylist come in with incredible wardrobe that you, you know, like, like, let's say for me, like I wouldn't have known, you know, what would be the best to, to, you know, fit on somebody or even like look good fashion wise. Um, I just know how to like shoot it and light it. But when it comes to like other people's skills that they've developed over years, I really appreciate that. I acknowledge that. Like, I was like, you, you are, you are this skilled person. You deserve to literally control every aspect of that. Don't even ask me any questions. Cause it's like, you know exactly what you want to do and what would benefit it. I haven't researched anything about styling. I haven't researched anything about makeup. I've seen what looks good and I have a good knack of like knowing when something is off that it could be better, but that's what happens when you work with a team. When you have a production company, everything is almost infinitely better the more people that are involved onto this, In including even you and your brother's involvement the other day. Like, honestly, without just some helpful hands, it would have just been struggle bus with like getting every single person to try to just help do something. I would have had to put my camera down just to hold that same uh, diffusion uh, sheet um, just to, uh, you know, get that shot to be good. And it's not like I'm, you know, greedy either, right? It's like if the photographer is shooting, we all, you know, hands on deck, everyone drops what they're doing. And, you know, I'm important later, you know, once it's my turn to, to, to shoot something on those kinds of projects. But the production company just means that you end up finding a home and you can build that out with the people you care about and you respect their skill and experience and everyone's just like aiming to converge down the same path to to hopefully greatness absolutely oh, i love that there is a question that i ask everyone and that is how do you recognize someone from virginia oh <laughs> um wow that's that's actually a pretty good question um I think it could for sure be tied into lingo. I think if you say true twice, you're from here. <laughs> um, if you know what two up, two down means, you're definitely from here. If, if you don't call where the area you live by, by the 757, then you don't live here. But like if the most obvious, like, the, the, the biggest one is how people say Norfolk. <laughs> if you don't, if you, if you pronounce the L, you're, you're a tourist. 
you're not from here. <laughs> also, it's like where you uh, congregate as well. There's there's always those memes of like, you know, um, those are the, the. Do you remember the Lion King memes? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Where it's, <laughs> do, do you? Oh yeah. It's it's like it's like it's like what what's all this? It's like yeah, everything the light touches is uh, you know um is uh is ours right it's it's norfolk it's virginia beach you know it's it's all of that and it's like what's that it's that really uh shadowy place <laughs> you know and portsmouth keeps getting a bad rap but um <laughs> it's just there's not a lot of reasons to go there and mainly taxes or tolls everywhere but yeah. um but uh what was yours? <laughs> How do you recognize someone? Oh, yeah. that just depends um, where exactly you're at in Virginia. Because um, I feel like everyone from here to like Ohio pronounces okay, okay the same way. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> so that's the, the one that I haven't said yet. Oh right, there's also like, we're we're totally like soda over here. If if I start hearing pop, like, come on, you're you're obviously from up there. You're, you're not you're not local. We don't call it pop. It's soda. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's, also, there's... sorry, you mentioned that in a sense you wanted to kind of erase the stamp of this area on your work. So, what would be ah, right. some of those examples of it being obviously produced here? Oh, right. Okay. So, man, um, if I see the icon building in any, in any content, like, I know you're here. <laughs> um, there's, like, if we see Waterside, if we see the Westin, or if we see those new stairs next to the Ziders Theater, like, we know you're here, right? right. If, if, if uh, the Neptune statue is in the distance, you're on the boardwalk, it's like, there's all these iconic spots where like especially as like someone who you know does video everywhere it's like you get caught up in wanting to make something that doesn't feel like here because it's like everyone uses it right and we all get this idea that like we want to be so unique that we're not just using the same locations that everybody else does and there, there's even like an underground kind of like uh set of locations that keep popping up every now and then no joke there was like a sand warehouse over there on northampton that everyone just called the sand warehouse and everybody <laughs> knew it everybody knew what it was and where it was but anytime a newer video popped up they were like oh you shot at the the sand warehouse we already did that yeah. You're too late <laughs> because it's instantly <laughs> recognizable, but you can talk to any normal person and they would have no idea what you're talking about. But that sand warehouse is like iconic to just like creators. And actually, um, what was it? Uh, last March, um, that place was there for years, right? Available for all sorts of creators. No trouble at all. There was even a towing company that totally scared everybody. But like they were totally fine with people parking at that warehouse. And now it actually got demolished. That place was supposed to be the site of a new arena that overlooked a, like a football 
uh, field and all that stuff. But the uh, the owner uh, just uh, some tax dodging or something and fled the country or something, but for some odd reason kept paying the property taxes. So like he uh, never finished the project, but like that place was was like there and it existed. Um, but uh, but yeah yeah yeah. So like iconic buildings and landscapes and all that stuff. That's why it's almost like sometimes you can get away with just shooting in Richmond and feeling like you're not part of the 757 because people locally wouldn't know those areas as well. But like Canal Street is already kind of like no go. You can't like you can't go there because like those murals have been shot a million times. But um but yeah um it's like we all appreciate like what pops up in the area and then we uh I mean, we're not as bad as like places in California where like influencers are everywhere and everyone is like, there's a pair of wings on a, on a building. Everyone gets their shot at doing it and now it's over. But uh, in, in this area, we're hoping that like, it keeps transforming, right? Like Waterside was created in front of my eyes, like while I was here. And before it was nothing, right? It's just, there was nothing over there that was like interesting and, uh, um and now all these things are are popping up the vibe district and virginia beach is um looking a lot more interesting as well you grew up here or no uh yeah technically like what's weird is that i've been in chesapeake all of my life like almost all of my life like i i was born in norfolk but then like lived in puerto rico for a few years uh just because i think my mom at the time either got stationed there or had some sort of like like maybe like she needed help with you know the grandparents and aunts and uncles with child rearing or something but um very quickly i went back to uh uh virginia and i went to school in norfolk like while i was in elementary school but then when I was seven years old, I moved to the Greenbrier area of Chesapeake and, you know, went to the middle school, um, Oscar Smith High, and then eventually uh, ODU for, for college. But ODU was only like a choice because I went to uh, a theater production at ODU um, during uh, college when I was at TCC so it's like I didn't really explore a lot of options when it came to that but since I was seven I've been here and I've you know I've, I've traveled to some pretty interesting places but like uh, um, this area just kept giving back so it, it felt good that like you know for a while I, I kind of like was able to track all this growth without actually having to leave so even even on that, it's kind of like I've been able to connect with all of those like, you know, like I said, those heavy hitters are around the uh, the area. You know, being able to shoot Pharrell at a Shagfest event and two of his ads, um, Ti's uh, uh, like wardrobe company is located in Virginia Beach, and I shoot their online uh, ad content um, for distribution and all that stuff, and. Uh, even recently connected with uh, Pusha T's uh, Airwave label. And uh, we're sort of like 
planning once they get more uh, people on their rosters and all that stuff um, that essentially like my production company, whenever it's actually legitimized, will be like the, the main content creators for that. And it totally fits because I've been here forever. And uh, um, I, again, all those connections, like show me, um, I keep mentioning him, but he used to live here in Virginia Beach and went to ODU as well. And he got connected into, you know, the hip hop culture and all that stuff back in the day. And the clips bought show me his first camera. And it's kind of funny that like my first reputable, you know, artist was also uh, Malice from the clips. So it felt like I'm I'm like the new age show me, I guess. Okay. Um, and I, I guess I have like big shoes to fill. Um, but like, uh, show me may have like moved to New York quicker than uh, I did. But like, uh, again, um, I'm still taking it like day by day and seeing like uh, what this area still has to offer and whatnot. Awesome. But in the meantime, it is Virginia. We we are this melting pot of creativity, and most of us here are like not transplants, but like we're here because our parents were in the military, right? We are these kind of children of the government who sort of like decide to like not want to go through the military route and find our own way. But then when we do find our own way, we realize that Virginia or at least the 757 has just this incredibly rich like art and music community and everyone realizes that and through all our shared struggles we uh we make the place even better with with that a lot of people do ask you know or or rather go through the same kind of uh thing it's like hey i want to be a an art artiste a creator do some amazing things and i've realized through all of these years of creating of of not even knowing I was an artist right like I just I'm just gonna pick up a camera and just like shoot some ships right that was like my first job ever I shot like a barge bringing in tunnel elements for one of the Elizabeth River tunnel systems that we all drive through today and I was there while they were building it and was actually able to like walk through the entire tunnel uh, because they allowed everyone to do that uh, before they actually allowed cars and stuff in there. And that was pretty cool. But in general, if you're an artist or a creator or even doing your own business and all that stuff, I think um, some of my, I'm not saying I'm massively successful or anything, but um I'm happy where I'm at and I've realized that like really good customer service um goes a long way um what is it I'm very known to just be like extremely approachable I don't think I rub anybody the wrong way but I think having that sort of like attitude has uh sort of allowed me to just like you know kind of get into this knowing how huge networking is when your business or art or whatever at the end of the day you're still talking with people 
right? You're still connecting with somebody. Sorry, it's like every three seconds the dog's barking. Sorry, one second. Um, right, so like at the end of the day, you're still connecting with people. So if you can't understand people or if you aren't a people person, I've even told, uh, I had like a, like a small panel thing at a ODU just to talk about like my career thus far and since I graduated from ODU. And um, I was actually gonna like tell people if this, like if I had a figurative like super workshop and I'm saying, hey, raise your hand if you're introverted. Um, I was gonna say, well, you introverted people, you're gonna have a tough time, mm-hmm. like being an entrepreneur, being in this business because of how much more successful people who aren't introverted um, uh, are. Because the more you disconnect from the world, the more you are, like social media sort of like runs all of this kind of stuff, right? And, and, And even if you're introverted, you also understand that you're only seeing content from the people who are making it and putting themselves out there, right? So we're not seeing introverted people's content because they're not putting it out. The idea is that like, if you make something done is better than perfect, right? If, if we are so holding on to the idea that like we can't push anything out because we don't believe that it's perfect. I started off with pushing a lot of imperfect work but sometimes you have to move on and then do better on the next one. So I, I took that philosophy and just kept going with it and realizing that, you know, everyone could always improve on something. But if if you don't just get a little bit of a consistency to, you know, learning and creating and improving like your business and all that stuff and too tied up on the emotional kind of like, I don't think I'm ready. Well, who is? I even told you that like, this is like, like we're all first timers to life. <laughs> so like we all, we all have to take these like risks and follow these opportunities to, to get what we want. And if you let it all pass you, or if you're, if you stay passive in all of that, then you won't have what you want. And that even like, I should follow that advice. I've been telling people for over a year that I'm going to, make a new fantastic reel and then submit to agencies but then like work and other things got in the way and I wasn't you know pushing myself to do the thing that I know needed to happen sure my work got so much better after that year so it's like holy crap I shouldn't have posted or or made it and then like try to like hit up these professional companies about stuff but if you don't do anything, you, you won't, you know, like reach the goals that you want. Even if like something fails, it, like if the plan fails, right? The goal is still the same. Just change the plan. So I think, I think that's what I'll leave for people. Just like if anybody's looking just for an idea, it's just like, it's, it, it's really about just understanding yourself, what you want and creating a, a, a goal in mind that and, and a plan that can see it through and and show a little bit more initiative even if some days you don't feel like it amen 
thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Do you have a hard time coming up with content ideas for your podcast? I find that there is nothing more embarrassing than all of a sudden being stumped in the middle of a conversation where it's like, I know I had more questions for you, but I just can't remember what they are right now. And that's why I'm trying Poddex. Poddex is the best all-in-one podcast idea generation tool. You get everything from episode ideas to interesting conversation starters for interviews, engaging discussions for your live streams, and even social media content ideas. With this tool, you don't have to spend weeks trying to come up with content for an episode or unique questions for your guests. Just shuffle the cards and pick one at random. Hit the record button and get started. Now you can make better content, have more fun while you're at it, and get your viral moment. All with Poddex. Head over to poddex.com and use code C4C. Hey, this is Latasha Holloway. I plan to be the future mayor of Virginia Beach, but when the time comes, I will need your support. As a veteran of the healthcare field, I understand something about empathy. We must have empathy and compassion in order to improve Virginia Beach.